So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. And welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football podcast. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I am your host, Dustin Lunt. Happy to be here. Uh, always a good time talking about fantasy football. We've got a great episode for you guys all this evening. We are going to be talking running backs. So we are going to be talking all things running back. Surprises from last season. We're going to maybe dip into rookies a little bit where we think they're going to place. Uh, top 12 for next year, possibly. And whatever else we decide to talk about. But before we get into it, I need to introduce my co-hostist with the mostest, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing, Jake? I'm honored that you said that I have the mostest, even though that's grammatically incorrect. I know where your heart <laughs> was, and that's the important thing. I'm doing pretty well, sir. I'm doing pretty goddamn well. How are you? Oh, terrific. I'm, I'm always happy to be here. Uh, as we were talking before we started recording here, kind of a rough day work-wise, but... Fantasy football just makes that better. Let's be honest. Anytime I get to talk about this, it just lightens my day and makes me instantly in a better mood. So I am so stoked to be here. What about you? It's the best Band-Aid. It's the best Band-Aid. It's the best medicine. It's, uh, you know, all that apple a day keeps the doctor away. Garbage. But you replace that apple with fantasy football, it, you know, holds mm-hmm. some merit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get into, you know everything else of our episode at this point, since we haven't really done much of anything since, but the intro, um, I think we should talk about, cause we missed it with last week's episode, the big trade of Carson Wentz going to Indianapolis. So just want to get your quick thoughts on that, Jake. I'm cautiously optimistic. I have wanted Carson Wentz to get an opportunity behind a better O-line. We've talked on this podcast in previous weeks about what our desires were for him landing spot-wise. And Indianapolis was certainly a better locale than Chicago for him and his situation. So Mm -hmm. uh, from a fancy perspective, I'm cautiously optimistic about Wentz. Um, I don't know how to feel about all of the other weapons in Indy after this, truly. I, I don't know if it moves the needle up or down for Jonathan Taylor. I doubt it. I don't know if it moves it for any of the other pieces there. I'm just... I'm curious more than anything mm-hmm. yeah i well obviously he needed to get out of philly let's be honest that was just a very toxic no-win situation for any of the parties involved there so the fact that they were able to move him and got what they could i think that was a good move i i do like this for carson I, i'm kind of with you I, i'm tepid about it but i do think it could turn into a very good thing he's back with frank reich his old coach uh when he had his mvp quote-unquote MVP uh, season there before he got injured. Jonathan Taylor's there and uh, Naheem Hines to take a little pressure off of him as far as the running game goes and and having the pass catchers there out of the backfield. Although I'm down on Michael Pittman, I got to say, since he's not giving up his number 11 for Carson Wentz, not what you want to do for your uh, quarterback there. Uh, But all joking aside... I, I, you know, I don't know if Ty is going to stick around there, but if Ty sticks around, you got Pittman, you got Paris Campbell, you got Baby Hands, Jack Doyle there. Uh, they do have a lot of weapons on offense and a really solid defense. So I can't say that I hate uh, the situation for them. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's literally all about the O line upgrade and almost nothing else. So the rest of it doesn't really matter to me too much. Um, but I will be curious if he has extra clean pockets now. Mm-hmm. Does that do anything for him? Because he had some terrible passing metrics from a clean pocket last year in Philly. But it's like part of that's got to be compound interest. Like he's he was in so many bad situations that when he finally got a good situation, he was still probably frantic. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, and I just feel like Doug Peterson in that offense just gave up on him. Really, last year, they were just like, uh, go do what you got to do. And I, I don't know, just watching the games, the offense, just there was nothing to it. And and I get they're missing a lot of pieces and the defense wasn't great. The O-line was piecemeal at best. But I just, 
you, I mean, we saw what they happened when Jalen Hurts got in there. The offense kind of got a little spark. So I, I, I got a feeling that for whatever reason, they wanted Jalen Hurts in there and had given up on Wentz. Why? I don't know. That's just my my thoughts here. So for him going to Indy, I think it's great. And uh, interesting enough, I had a trade offer to me like two days before Carson Wentz got traded in a Superflex League for the 202. And I was I was seriously considering it because I was just like, God, Wentz just he did nothing for me this last year. Now I'm kind of glad I hung on to him. At least if I still decide to trade him, I can get a first round pick for him at this point. I feel easily. So yeah, I, I mean, if, if you have Carson Wentz, you should be cautiously optimistic for what the future holds. Yeah, job well done on holding in that trade situation. I don't know that I would have had the strength to not smash the accept button on that because uh, I, I really didn't. I was so terrified he was going to go to Chicago. And then at that point, I was like, oh, boy, the 202 would look real nice in that situation. But you did the right thing. And now, yeah, you could get. You could get a mid first pretty easily for him at this point. Yeah, it was more laziness than anything else. Let's be honest. Um, I just didn't get around to uh, uh, accepting or declining the trade. So uh, that's where we're at there. Now that we uh, finished that little bit of house cleaning, cleared the headlines out. Uh, what are you drinking this week, Jake? I well, this is uh, clear out your fridge time in my household because I haven't made a, a pit stop to the grocery store lately. But good thing I have some quality options still. Uh, I am drinking an Erdinger Weissbrow Dunkel. Uh, this Ooh. is this is an exotic beer for my taste uh, in that it comes from Germany. You know, it's, nice. a, it's a legit import. So I'm fancying myself up here a little bit. I like a good Dunkel. Dunkel is just a little darker than like a typical wheat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a little maltier. Um, but this one is not overly malty. It's a pretty, I don't want to say bitter even, but it's on the, it's on the cusp of bitterness. It's pretty good. Just yeah. Pretty good. I love Dunkels. That's one of my more underrated styles of beer. You don't see them that much here, at least in Madison, you know, where we're at. You don't see them that often at the liquor stores. But when I do, I tend to buy them because they are such a good under. You're drinking a dark beer, but it doesn't have that like stout or porter darkness to it. It's a, it's a very light, dark beer, if that makes sense. Uh, easy drinking. Heavy. Very easy drinking. Yeah. So I, I love that style. And anytime I keep my hands on them, I friggin love it. What are you indulging in this week? I am drinking a homebrew this week. Uh, I'll just put it up to the camera so you can get the color. Uh, this is a barley wine. Uh, it's been it's been aging for a year now. So I brewed it last uh, February, and I bottled it February 7th to be exact. So we're just over a year, and I finally decided to crack it open because typically you want to wait six months to a year because you need to let it age because it is a higher alcohol beer. Uh so I let it age. Oh, and it tastes fantastic. It's got, uh, it's it's kind of got that caramely flavor to it, and it's got like a little uh, plum flavor to it. Uh, it is uh, it's such a good beer. It comes in just under ten percent, so it's a little bit higher octane, but not high octane like you see from the commercial barley wines. Uh, I am really excited how this turned out, and I am I'm loving every minute of it. I was going to ask if it had that fig taste. Mm -hmm. When I think of barley wine, I think of fig, like a fig Newton Mm -hmm. dissolved into a beer. That's what I get. Yeah, it it has some of that. And it's, uh, like I said, it's first time I've ever brewed one. And I will probably brew one again because it is excellent. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. I dig it. Can I just make one comment about this uh, this Dunkel here? You can make more than one if you want. Okay, I've already made several, but I felt like one addition here was was important. When I drink beer out of a bottle, which is pretty rare these days, because most craft breweries have moved to canning, uh, because they finally figured out how to get cans to taste as good and fresh as a bottle. But when I finally drink bottles again, I drink them so much slower. There's like that, you know, it's such a small opening there. It really takes almost some extra effort uh, to get all of the beer out. I don't think I like it. I think I need to be pouring these into glasses from here on out. Well, from the sounds of it, I think we're going to be seeing more bottles back in the coolers at liquor stores. Apparently, there's an aluminum shortage for beer cans. Oh. So because everybody's doing cans and then with 
COVID, obviously, and 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 things like that, uh, there there's there's a shortage right now for for aluminum for beer cans. So you could see a shift back to bottles now, like there was a few years ago. So well, fuck me. Now I really am gonna have to pour everything out in the glass. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, it's fine. You know what never disappoints me? What's that? Our favorite segment. Drunk trade of the week. Is it that? That. That's exactly what it is. Our drunk trade this week comes in from at Alexa Trade Talk. Hello, Alexa. Hi, Alexa. I am in a league with Alexa. It happens to be my favorite Dynasty League. She happens to be one of my favorite people in all of my leagues. So, so I was can excited. I, can, I, yeah. can I just interject here for a second? Are you just saying it's your favorite Dynasty League because it involves these people and we're talking about it? Or is it just truly your favorite Dynasty League? Not Yes. It, it, it's like picking children. <laughs> They're all your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, no, there are some that are distinctly not my favorites, but this one is in the upper echelon at the very uh, least. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> don't, don't you try and undercut my sweetness, goddammit. Uh, but this trade from Alexa, it's a Superflex Dynasty. It is not my league. This trade does not come from my league. This comes from a different, presumably worse league. Uh, but she <laughs> traded away the 103, and this, okay. was, this was only a couple weeks ago. She traded away the 103 rookie draft pick to acquire J.K. Dobbins from at Dynasty Coach A. Hey, Dynasty who, Coach. <laughs> hey, Dynasty Coach. Who got the better end? Inquiring minds want to know. I oh, I guess it really depends how you feel about Dobbins. Personally, I'm assuming it's a super flex PPR league. Mm-hmm. All right. Personally, I would keep the 103. I mean, if you're going for a running back, the first two picks are most likely to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So then you, you've got your choice at 103 of the rest of the field that's out there as far as wide receiver, running back, or quarterbacks. From what I've seen, and, and my personal opinion, is that the 103, you can get Najee Harris, uh, who I, I know it's still landing spot dependent at this point. But depending on where he goes, he is going to be a stud and has all the attributes to be a three-down running back in the NFL. Now, will he actually get that? Remains to be seen. Again, landing spot dependent. But I think at this point, I, I would have held out a little bit, maybe until after the draft, to see where he lands. Uh, I just don't believe Dobbins is going to get the workload to to be that number one running back spoiler alert uh, <laughs> for later in the episode here. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I personally am not a fan of this trade. Again, it kind of depends on what we see once the NFL draft actually happens. But right now I would have kept the one Oh three. So this is interesting for me because you mentioned that Dobbins may not get the workload. And just to that point, if we flash back to 2019, before Dobbins entered the picture, when Mark Ingram was the kind of solo dude there outside of Gus the Bus. Uh, but outside of Gus Edwards, it was Mark Ingram, and he did finish as the RB11 that year. Um, presumably, that's a space that Dobbins could occupy. Gus Edwards is still there and could still very well vaulter opportunities from him. But that is that is his peak, is he can finish as an RB1, I think. But I think you're also right. I typically don't like to give up that high of a rookie pick this much uh, before the rookie draft happens. And to be fair, I don't know when their leagues actually is, but most happen after the NFL draft do. Mm -hmm. I would rather watch that 103 climb up in value personally uh, and even sell a day before the day of the draft because you can just get so much potential out of that because they're on the clock and let's say that the two are trevor lawrence and justin fields that go ahead of that everybody has their own pick for 103 at that point Mm -hmm. so if somebody really wants to make sure they get their guy they're going to give you a lot to get that guy but 
in in a bubble, I actually think this is pretty even. In terms of the drunk trades we've had, I, I think it well, is fairly even from a value standpoint. As as far as drunk trades go, this one isn't that bad. The other thing that gives me pause is Lamar Jackson is there who can vulture touchdowns near the goal line as well. So, and we know touchdowns are very not sticky year to year. So I, uh, with that on top of it, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have made this trade. I'd have to be a lot drunker than this to make that trade. But um, yeah, as far as drunk trades go, it's not, not terrible, but I personally wouldn't have done it. Okay. So a little precursor then before we dip into the, uh, the meat and potatoes of the running backs, to gauge your value on Dobbins, what if this pick was the 105? Would you make the trade then? Um, oh, God. I didn't prepare for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think I need to of, get your unedited opinion here. Uh, it's really team dependent. I mean, that, that's much more reasonable. Uh, I'm trying to think of the rookie picks on kind of what I've seen the, you know, super flex uh mocks go because you could get another quarterback still even potentially at 105 depending on yeah absolutely absolutely so i don't know that that's better it's better yeah it's much closer again i I I think this this fits into that do you want the sure thing which if you believe dobbins is a sure thing then you go get it or do Mm -hmm. you want the 103 which could be anything it could even be a dobbins so it's just do you want the supposed security or do you want the pick? That's right. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So before we get into the heart of our episode here, um, I I had told you, Jake, uh, beforehand, since we're talking trades here, I am currently working on a trade in in one of my leagues. And and this is a 14-team Superflex tight end premium 1.5 league. So, uh, yeah. So one of the guys in, in our, our league chat said, Hey, I'm opening, I'm open to moving the 102 in this year's draft. And he's already got like five first round picks this year and like four second round picks and then like four first round picks next year. So this guy's obviously in a productive struggle, rebuilding mode. Uh, but said, Hey, I'm willing to move the 102 so that I can acquire more picks. So I had thrown out just just as as a feeler, and I, I didn't think it was a bad offer because personally, I hate to throw out shitty offers. I, I want something that's fair for everyone. So you love it. So I sent him the to get the one hundred two. That was the only thing I asked for. I have the one hundred seven this year. I sent him the three hundred seven, and then my first round pick next year. So he so he declined. And he, and he's like, uh, minor modification. Here's, here's what I like. So instead of the 307, he subbed in the 207. So that's not minor, by the way. That to me, that is not minor because the difference in second and third round picks for this year, from what I understand, again, we're not rookie experts, but from what I understand, there's a pretty big drop off right about the middle of the second round, which is where that picket and that was my thought i haven't i have it's still sitting out there i haven't responded yet um i wanted to talk this over with you because i thought the same thing i'm like this seems a little steep mm. but like you were and just it's a 14 sick. team yeah it's 14 team and i don't have very good quarterback so that's why i want to make this move is because in a super flex league i, I need a second solid quarterback and so my yeah. quarterbacks right now are kirk cousins and carson wentz and Ryan Fit- Fitzpatrick. So, oh, well, then you're fine. Why didn't you lead with that? Sorry, you don't sorry. Need to make this trade at all? Uh, I will say, yeah. And in 14 team leagues, of course, getting a, a competent number two is so much mm-hmm. more important because there are so many more or so many less options mm-hmm. naturally. And this guy already owns the 101. So in this year, so you know he's going to go Trevor Lawrence. So then I could take Fields, which would be nice to have. Yeah, I just well, and we don't know that he would go Lawrence. Maybe true. he's a Fields guy, but Very regardless, true. he's taking one of those two almost assuredly. Right. If you get down to the one hundred seven again, maybe maybe there's a quarterback still waiting there. Harder than at one hundred five, no doubt. But yeah. maybe there's another quarterback waiting. I mean, you're looking at maybe Mac Jones at that point. Sure. 
or it, but, or Trey Lance, depending on you know how the draft goes. One of those two guys, maybe. Do you have any other picks besides the two hundred seven and three hundred seven? Is there anything between that? No. Okay. Belay, I would rather at that point throw in your twenty twenty two second, as opposed to the twenty one second. Uh huh. Well, that's a good yeah. thought. That would uh, be my counter. Otherwise, I was thinking about trying to get uh. Because he has so many picks that maybe getting a later third back with 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 the one oh two. So it'd be oh, a two sure. so it'd be a two for three picks swap. There's always that maneuverability when you just have picks because mm-hmm. the value is the value pretty much of those picks. So you can you can mathematically incrementally boost up that as much as you need to, I think. Either way, I'd, I'd be fine with if you left the 207 in there instead of the 307, but then you asked for a third in return, I guess you can start taking more dart throws at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are I very deep benches. So, okay. yeah, we have okay. like a 35 person bench or team total. So it's like a very deep bench. Fuck, uh, in a 14 team league? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spots? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's very deep benches. Who's who's rostering Steven McStevenson? Uh, it's and, probably me because my team isn't and great. Michael <laughs> Cola Michelson. There's always, oh my God. Even in a 12 team league, that gets to be a dart throw by like round 26. So yeah, it's, wild. yeah, it's, it's a very deep league, obviously for reasons because, uh, you want to throw together your best team possible and not have to rely on the waiver wire so much, but all right. Yeah, I just I just wanted to talk that over a little bit just to kind of bounce it off of someone else here and let the fans out there of our podcast listen to how we talk through trades because we do this almost on a weekly basis. We're throwing trades. Hey, I got this offer. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. You know, so this is why I want to give yep. the, the you know listeners here a little insight to how we operate as far as our own dynasty teams. Give them a little taste. A little nectar, a little yum, yum, yum. Yeah, so we'll see uh, what I happens. I do that again, by the way. <laughs> we'll see what happens, and if I have good news or if I make the trade, I'll let you all know on uh, next week's show. How does that like sound? It. Okay. Love it. Well, Jake, do you want to give a quick word from our sponsor? Goddamn right I do. Our sponsor presented by Monkey Knife Fights. Monkey Knife Fight, of course, is a premier daily fantasy sports website. Football is over. We all know we're all sad about it. However, they host tons of other sports. You got your baseballs, your basketballs, your hockeys, your soccers. I'm sure there are tennis and golf and, and MMA, lacrosse. boxing. It's everything. Literally all of the sports are hosted on Monkey Knife Fight. So if you want to dip your toes into other sports, uh, which you should, then head over to monkeyknifefight.com. Sign up using promo code DTFF because that's our podcast. And you can get your initial deposit of $50 matched up to, I said $50, yeah? (laughs) Your $50 deposit, you can get that matched anywhere up to $50. So head on over there and sign up. All right. Thank you for that, Jake. So we are going to get into running backs here. Uh, similar to what we did last week, we're going to, I'll, I'll give you guys a quick, 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 a brief. Are no. You gonna... <laughs> no, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not going to be doing that. Uh, I'm going to give a brief overview of the top 12 running backs from this last season. And then we'll just start talking about RB cap situations, who could be a cap casualty, free agency, yeah, who's going to be switching teams? How does it affect your top 12? Um, who's in? Who's out of the top 12? Uh, rookie running backs, maybe where we see them lately. And then maybe talking about our early offseason rankings for next season. So I, uh, to start off with the top 12, this is 1 through 12. So we've got Alvin Kamara, Delvin Cook, Derek Henry, David Montgomery at number four. Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and Mike Davis. Uh, and this was all pulled from fantasydata.com. So, uh, Jake, why don't you start by saying what are in the, in the top 12 that we saw, what are some of the biggest surprises for you? For me personally, it was Aaron Jones because at the start of this year, I did not was going to maintain his crazy high 
uh, production from previous years. And I may, I probably factored in AJ Dillon too much. Uh, I'm just going to say it. You spend a high draft pick on a running back. You assume that a running back is going to come in and be used right away. And that wasn't the case with AJ Dillon until Aaron Jones got hurt very late in the season. He was basically an afterthought. So of course that led to Aaron Jones maintaining his value from previous years, which was heartening to see, uh, but unexpected for myself. Also, I've been an Alvin Kamara guy. I, I will say that I was higher than most on Kamara coming into this season, but even I didn't expect him to dominate quite this much. Mm-hmm. Of course, when you have a six-touchdown game, that's going to boost your overall standing. But even without that, he was he was very, very solid, very efficient with a scrambled quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. So you do have to give that to him. Um, but, I mean, the, the headline here has to be James Robinson. James Robinson, undrafted free agent for Jacksonville. Not exactly a dynamite offense. Uh, and James Robinson, nary a peep from him this offseason, uh, or rather from the coaching staff about him this offseason. Everything I'd seen, it looked like it was going to be a committee. Uh, even after Leonard Fournette got traded away, it, it looked like a committee. And then injuries happened. So down goes Divine Ozigbo. Down goes Raquel Armstead. Hopefully he's, he's okay. He's on the COVID list like three times. So let's hope he's all right. That's not a good sign. <laughs> no, it's really not. We'll, we'll have to see if he comes back at all for next year. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah, Robinson got like 95% of the workload. And that's not even an exaggeration. And uh, he looked good. He looked very good with it. I don't know if that maintains. We'll have to talk about that later. But it was uh, crazy to see that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me. Uh, just looking at the list, obviously, I think the big one, other than James Robinson, I, I think you spelled that out perfectly, but is David Montgomery coming in at number four? Uh, uh, I just, that, that shocks me. I know he had, and we talked about it ad nauseum towards the end of the season when we were going into the fantasy playoffs, what a soft schedule he had. But the fact that he finished so high is shocking. I, I thought he would have snuck into the bottom bottom of the top 12, uh, not in the top five. And then the other one for me is Mike Davis. Obviously, with Carolina, Christian McCaffrey, everyone's preseason consensus number one running back for the most part. Uh, and when he went down, I did not expect Mike Davis to produce an RB1 season, uh, just with the questions around that team and that offense. So uh, the fact that he snuck into the top 12 is crazy to me. I fully agree. This is one of those situations where I'm kicking myself because when CMC did go down, there's always there's always a rush, of course, to the way for our to scramble to pick up the backup. Mm-hmm. That's just what that that's how it happens. Um, and I. In his case, I wasn't rushing. I wasn't rushing to pick up Mike Davis because, one, I didn't assume that CMC would be out for as long as he was. But I also certainly didn't feel that Mike Davis was going to come in and just rush. Um, Obviously, he he did. Mm -hmm. And when you get a top 12 production out of a handcuff like that, a kind of low-grade handcuff at that, then uh, it's it's a league-winning type of situation. So I regret not going in to pick up Mike Davis. I thought he would be like any number of those handcuffs that I tried to pick up last year that did me nothing. Nice. Yeah, it's like I said, there's so many questions with that offense and a new uh, coaching staff coming in there that I, I don't think anyone expected that he would have done what he did this year. So... Obviously, McCaffrey should be back and instantly inserted into the top three at a minimum of your rankings. Uh, if you have them any lower than that, you're probably doing something wrong. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's very possible. Yeah. So let's talk here. I'm trying to get my uh, stuff pulled up here, but let's talk about some of the free agents in the running back class here. Because there is quite a number of interesting names, and I wouldn't say any. Well, okay, there's a couple. Um, uh, I wouldn't say any, but there's a couple big name free agents out there, which could shake up the top twelve. But a lot of them are more that mid, maybe RB two, RB three range. So obviously, the big one is Aaron Jones, free agent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is he an automatic number one 
no matter the situation, is his talent that good that he could just go into any system and automatically produce RB1 numbers like he has been? I think what we've learned recently is that no running back it has that capability. It Running back is the most situation-dependent for any of the positional skill players for fantasy. So, no, I don't think... I, I love him. I love him, obviously, but I don't see him going to... Uh, the Jets and being an automatic top 12. You know, there are plenty of landing spots that could degrade him. Houston, same deal because there's so mm-hmm. much unknown about there. If, if he goes to one of those teams, I don't think it's going to be a situation where he falls out of fantasy relevance a la your Todd Gurley's. Mm-hmm. That was more of an injury situation than anything. But I, he's not a lock to me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I, he's got the talent. He's just got a land in the right system. Personally, I don't think he's going to end up back in Green Bay. I think he's going to, because he was a fifth round pick, he's going to command more on the open market and try to get his payday. So I don't think he's returning to Green Bay, unfortunately for us. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very landing spot dependent. So There was how- a leak, by the way, that uh, he was asking for, or that a team was willing to pay $12 million for him. Did you see that uh, little Twitter leak that came out today? I did not see that. The but that's... speculation is that was just a great work by his agent <laughs> to try yeah. to get that information out. Because I don't, boy, who the, really? $12 million for a running back? Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. That's crazy. Um, next one on my list here, just looking over the names, uh, Kenyon Drake. Uh, he was, was it Transition Tag? or exclusive yeah transition tag this last year from Arizona and was paid something like 10 million dollars. I don't see him returning to Arizona. I feel like Arizona is going to go out and either draft a running back or go out and get one of these free agents that fits in their system better than Kenyon Drake did. I know they traded for him in the middle of the previous season uh for whatever reason uh, it, it worked well that that partial season, but this last year I know there was injuries, and, and he played well. I mean, he had 955 yards and 10 touchdowns, so it's not like he had a bad season, but it was definitely not what we were hoping for going into the 2020 season. So I, I don't know. Just I don't have a good feel for it, but I just or a good reason why I should say, but I just don't feel like he's gonna be back in Arizona. But he is probably a solid RB2 next season, no ma- pretty much wherever he goes, uh, as long as he gets the volume and it's not a timeshare. Yeah, yeah, and that's super hard to project, though, too. There mm-hmm. are so many, not only so many free agent running backs, there's just an influx um, in general of potential switcheroos happening. I'm not going to lock him into a lead dog role. Like, of all of the free agents, he, to me, actually seems like one of the the most likely to land in a committee, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Well, uh, I, whereas Aaron Jones could lead a, a backfield, obviously. Yeah, I feel like the league is just in general going to more of that shared backfield, running back by committee, uh, just to save the wear and tear, which honestly, from a real NFL perspective, is very smart. You don't want to mm-hmm. burn out your best guys when you need them in the playoffs. So I get it from that perspective, but uh, pretty much all the guys on this list even Aaron Jones, uh, I don't see as as a necessarily a hundred percent league do- league dog anywhere they go. Uh, next on my list here, uh, James Conner. What are your thoughts about him? His is I want to like him so much. His mm-hmm. story, of course, is amazing. Battling and overcoming cancer. He looked great in Pittsburgh. The one year we really got to see him uh, be fully used. And ever since then, it's just he's been hampered with injuries. He's been used pretty ineffectively by Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, the whole offense, we, we talked about it quite a bit, but that whole offense was just a bummer. You know, mm-hmm. it was all very dink and dunk. It was all uh, very short yardage, everything. And you would think that that would lend itself to a quality running back situation, but it didn't. It still didn't. Um, not that James Conner was completely awful and useless, but Certainly felt like that a lot of weeks. Mm-hmm. So if James Conner, I don't know. I mean, hey, if he goes to Jacksonville or something like that, I'll be the first to sign up. Because speaking about James Robinson, I'm still leery that Jacksonville will commit to an undrafted running back as their their complete head running back next year. So I think they could bring in competition. And if they bring in somebody like James Conner, then I perk up. 
a little bit, mm-hmm. but otherwise, I'm not so keen. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Nothing to uh, argue about there. So last one we'll talk about here before we move on from free agents. And I had to do a double take on this one uh, just because I've never seen it like this. Uh, it, it's This is from uh, Spotrack here that I'm looking everything up. And it's Christopher Carson. I was like, who's Christopher Carson? Oh, yeah, Chris Carson running back from the Seattle Seahawks. So uh, <laughs> um, Chris Carson has a bit of an injury past, has a little bit of the fumbles, which I don't think we saw too much this year. It was more of the previous season. One healthy is a punishing running back. Where would you like to see him land that would be a good fit for him? Ooh, ooh, I know this one. <laughs> so there's a couple of landing spots where no matter where a guy goes, I'm going to be pretty excited about it. Um, based on the opportunity there. And one of those is Atlanta. If oh. he goes to Atlanta, holy goodness, I'm signing up for Chris Carson. Because even if you get, uh, I don't know, 10 games of Chris Carson in Atlanta, you're going to be so happy those 10 games. <laughs> really, again, anybody that goes there with the new offensive scheme that should be in place, uh, they're keeping Matt Ryan, they're keeping Julio, they're keeping all the other weapons. So whoever can get slotted in there, I'm pretty excited for him. The other spot that might be interesting, might be interesting for him, is to put him in Miami. Somebody there, and I, I speaking of undrafted free agents, Miles Gaskin looked good there when he got the opportunities. But if they don't commit to an undrafted guy, let Chris Carson go there. And I wouldn't be as excited but I would feel more comfortable having him as a solid RB2 there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like both of those. I mean, Atlanta was the first thought I had as well. What do you think the chances are of him returning to Seattle? It seems slight. <laughs> Seattle mm-hmm. does not commit to running backs almost ever. Uh, they just keep cycling through, whether it's new guys or crafty veterans like we saw with Carlos Hyde uh, or any number of uh, folks who come through there, Christine Michael. And his foray there. Uh, so, no, <laughs> I don't think it goes back. And honestly, I think it's like a 1% chance at this point. All right. Fair enough. Well, unless there's any other uh, free agents you want to talk about here, uh, I think there's that... one. Okay. There's one I'm interested to pick your brain about here. Lay it on because me. Because I think he's going to be one of the most controversial, um, uh, divisive people in the offseason for people to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's Leonard Fournette. So Fournette did, he was playoff Lenny with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. He is an unrestricted free agent. Do they sign him? Does he get an opportunity elsewhere? And are you excited either way? I mean, he's only 26, which I know that's getting up there as far as running back years. But when you look at some of the other running backs on the list here of free agents, He's right in that wheelhouse. Like Aaron Jones is 27. I mean, he's he's younger than Aaron Jones. I think they came out the same year, but uh for whatever reason, it's it's the stigma that he's been in the league forever and a day. Uh right. I think I don't know. There I, I've heard that he's not a great locker room guy and like not a great teammate while he's produced on the field. I mean, even in Jacksonville, I didn't expect him to get cut before this last season uh, because he had an RB one season. He was one of my drinking buddies going into the season because I thought he was going to be the guy again in Jacksonville. Like I thought he had that spot pretty well secured, especially since he was still under his rookie contract. So uh, I, I don't know this, this is a really tough one to answer. I think he's going to throw out a hypothetical team. You sure can. Well, that I I didn't mean to cut you (laughs) off. I'm curious if that completely skews like what your opinion would be. Is he just completely team dependent then? I don't think he's team dependent. I think wherever he goes, it's going to be a committee role for him. I think the days of being the lead guy, especially since he's not known for his receiving chops. I know in 2019 with Jacksonville, he had a lot of receptions that year, but that was kind of an outlier compared to what we've seen with the rest of his career and obviously this last season. So I think wherever he goes, it's just going to be uh, part of a committee as more of a you know thunder and lightning type 
type play where it's a a good change of pace type back. So what if he goes to Denver and Melvin Gordon sticks around? Philip Lindsay becomes an afterthought, which he kind of was this year. Well, he's a free agent this year, so. So what if it's Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette as that combination? Said he's not really known for his pass catching. Melvin Gordon is a little bit more of that guy. Does that do anything for you? Are you excited about that at all? Not really. Um, it, it might move the needle a little bit just because with Gordon's outstanding uh, DUI charges out there, uh, Gordon could be suspended for you know two to four games to start the season. So you'd have Leonard Fournette as probably the main guy there. But other than that, it's it's going to be a shared backfield. So, yeah, I and not that I hate him. I think he'll he'll have his weeks, maybe a good bye week or flex play fill in for you. But uh, unless something were to happen where the lead guy in front of him were to go down, I just don't see him being that lead back anymore. Fair. Great point about the Melvin Gordon situation. I honestly kind of forgot about that because I wish that I could forget about that. Mm-hmm. You fucking dumb, dumb. Stop representing Wisconsin so poorly. Well, and you make millions of dollars. This goes to all NFL players. You make millions of dollars. Call a fucking Uber for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> Seriously. For uh. God damn it. I, I am... Not the most uh, conscious person typically after a night on the town. I wouldn't know because it's been fucking forever since I've actually done it, I guess, at this point. But uh, even my dumb ass is always cognizant enough to be able to call an Uber, call a cab, call a Lyft, what the fuck ever. Like, just call somebody. Don't be stupid. That's right. All right. Rant over with. (laughs) (laughs) So so we went over who the top 12 – running backs were this year. So typically on any given year, historically, there is a 66, about a 66% turnover rate in the top 12. So that means only five of the top 12 running backs will remain top 12 running backs next season. So if you had to name your five off of the the list here that we started off with, who'd be the five that remain in the top 12 for you? I'm down betting against Derrick Henry and, and all of the work the tread that he's put on his tires. So I'm keeping Derrick Henry in there. I'm keeping Dalvin Cook in there because uh, I'm not going to bet on injuries at this point. So those two are firm. You know I love Jonathan Taylor. Uh, with Carson Wentz in there, like I said at the earlier part of the episode, I don't think that moves his needle. I think he stays good and up top. Now this is where it gets interesting. I think Zeke should be back in there. I actually think, you know, Zeke gets shit on for this year, and he still ended up, would you say, RB9? Nine. You know, yeah. what? How the fuck are you shitting on Zeke for finishing as RB9? Well, especially uh, with how garbage day. that offense looked after Dak went out. Like, yeah. I mean, and the you knew it was going to happen. COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was that too. Crazy. So he's my bounce back candidate so that's four. of the year. So there's my four. So. Uh, you know, the, the guys that are easier to weed out, let me just say, I'm weeding out nothing against David Montgomery, but I'm weeding him out. Tariq Cohen or somebody else will come back there. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs, I'm still leery about. James Robinson, I talked about with the undrafted free agent stuff. Um, Kareem Hunt benefited greatly from Chubb being out. So he's out. Mike Davis, of course, we already talked about. It really comes down to at this point, is it Nick Chubb or is it Alvin Kamara for me? And I, I don't know what to do <laughs> because Kamara's quarterback situation is concerning. When he was in there with Taysom Hill, he did perform significantly worse than with Drew Brees. Drew Brees, Jesus. Um, but there was also overlap with an injury at that time for Kamara. So is that part of the issue? But also he had that six touchdown game, which boosted his stats, as we talked about. Chubb is consistent. He is so consistent. And if we're looking at this from a consistency perspective, who's going to get back there the easiest? I actually think it's Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll I, I'll say, well, looking at my rankings here, my early season off rankings, I've got eight guys repeating in the top twelve, a little bit more mm. than the average. So you son of a bitch! You told me to only pick five. Well, I'm just going off of what uh, if I had to cap it at five. Here, here, this would be my five repeating. If I if I had to cap it at five, it would be Kamara, Cook, Henry, your top three from last year, Chubb, 
And then probably probably Jonathan Taylor. I want to put Zeke in there, mm-hmm. but with without knowing if Dak is going to be back for sure, uh, that really changes things. Or if I knew their quarterback situation was a little bit more stable. Uh, sure. If Dak is back, Zeke's automatically in my the, the five for sure. Um, or if they were to bring in a different free agent quarterback or make a trade for another quarterback uh, that was an upgrade from Andy Dalton or mm-hmm. uh, who was the uh, who was the uh, the third stringer there Niall or something like that I don't remember the name um, I literally don't remember <laughs> let's <laughs> but, say hypothetically because I've seen this floated out there let's say they get Teddy Bridgewater it's not Dak but Teddy Bridgewater goes over there in some weird ass trade he's just a respectable guy do you is that enough to put Zeke into your five uh, it, it would be close. It would be close. I mean, there, there's other guys I like. I mean, I, I really like. It's more a wealth of options than anything against Zeke at this point. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Jonathan Taylor. I love. I mean, James Robinson. I think could do it uh, if he gets the workload. True. Very true. Yep. I think Antonio Gibson could sneak in there. Uh, so I, there's just a wealth of of running back options where it would be, and, and Teddy doesn't do a whole lot for me. He's kind of like Andy Dalton. I hate to say it, like he's sure yeah, he's nothing too special. Like he's a good game manager. With there's nothing wrong with that, but in that offense with Mike Mike Holmgren, what am I saying? Mike McCarthy, <laughs> different Green Bay Mike. <laughs> yes, yes, Mike McCarthy. Um, that's just, you need a very, very good quarterback in that spot to run that offense. And Teddy is not that he's at what it's worth. I think Teddy's closer to Dak than Andy Dalton is closer to Dak, but that doesn't mean that Teddy is Dak. I just mean, it would be an improvement. Uh, I don't think it's that big of an improvement, but Andy Dalton cannot run for shit. Andy Dalton can can step backwards, and that's about it. Uh, the dude just can't move. Whereas Teddy, we've seen that upside, which I think is part of what's so crucial about Dak. But mm-hmm. that's a, 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 a debate for another episode here, probably. Can I ask you? You mentioned Gibson, you know, and how he could easily sneak in. So this part about them coming out, who would your picks be to move into the twelve that aren't in there this year? Well, here, I'll I'll just get right into it and give you my early offseason top 12 right Ooh. now. Like so uh, this is 1 through 12. So I've got McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor at 5, Saquon at 6, Derek Henry at 7, Zeke at 8, Aaron Jones at 9, James Robinson at 10, wow. Austin Eckler at 11, and DeAndre Swift at 12. Wow. Wow. DeAndre Swift cracking the top. I do. I I think he's going to break out this season. What if they bring back Adrian Peterson just for another year? (laughs) It could happen, but I, I, I don't think Peterson would be the focal point with the new coach in there now. Yeah, we say that every year. I know. He's a cyborg. (laughs) You never bet against him. Him and Frank Gore, you just don't bet against them. I know this. But I'm assuming he's not going to be back. Okay. Wow. Aside from that, the other one that I'm curious about, and we'll have to talk about a lot this offseason as things change, is James Robinson. Because right now, if we're guaranteed that they bring in little competition for Mm -hmm. him in the backfield, then I'm with you. I am fully with you because the quarterback play should improve drastically. They have a ton of cap space to just fix their team in general. Mm -hmm. So. I think that the Jags should be in a good spot and he in a good spot. But if, well, uh, I'm just terrified that they bring in somebody else. Yeah. And that's why this is early off season uh, before free agency, sure. before the draft. Obviously things will change depending on what happens there, but as things stand right now and kind of what I think how free agency will go. Um, hence why yeah. I have Aaron Jones at nine uh, that, that that's my top 12. Interesting. Now, Eckler, I think a lot of folks might try and give you shit for this on Twitter, for Eckler being that high. He's only and 11. That's not that high. Well, well, just being in the top 12 in general. Yeah. I think because of, again, the influx and one guy you didn't mention, and it's because we don't know where he's going, 
Najee Harris, mm -hmm. for example. So maybe some people view him as a, a prospect that's so good, it doesn't really matter where he goes, which team he goes to. And he can just land in the top 12, which is bullshit, by the way. I never, again, situation is so crucial. I don't care how talented the running back is. But Eckler, if we look at his points per game, even from this last year, he was 16.5. He was in the top 12. Mm -hmm. um, for uh, Taking out CMC, who only played like three games, which kind of skews some things. He was in the top 12 already. So, mm -hmm. I, And I don't see the Chargers as bringing in somebody else that's of a significant concern. We went through this this last year where people were talking about the other dudes who turned out to be just Jags, basically, yeah, in they, that backfield. They still have... Um... Malcolm Brown and Joshua Kelly. Maybe they'll bring in another guy, but I have to imagine those three guys will still be the main three running backs on their team. And with Eckler coming back, I mean, like you said, you saw the points per game. You saw the usage before he got injured. And I think he could have came back sooner or at all, but I feel like they knew it was kind of a lost season. So why rush him back when there's like no shot at making the playoffs? Yes, I agree. By the way, uh, Justin Jackson is in the backfield. Oh, there, Justin not Jackson. Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown is in the Rams. Other LA running back situation. Thank you. But your larger point, I think, stands. Yes, he, he only played the 10 games. If he had played the 16, we're not having this same mm -hmm. debate this year. I'm mm -hmm. positive of that. So good for you. And uh, it's not like I had him at RB3 or something. Like I had him at 11. Yeah. Like that. that's not out of the range of possibilities. For sure. The one guy I am bummed to not see in your list thus far, and maybe he will creep his way in over the offseason, is Antonio Gibson, as we mentioned earlier, because I think that dude is just, he's the tits. And we barely got to see him as a pass catcher, which is where he thrived in college. He was a damn wide receiver um, that converted to running back. So I think once he gets more passing work this year, I think he is, he's pretty much a locked top 10 running back for me right now, especially in Dynasty. And I think uh, I could see him being whole. Oh, he could be in, in my top six by the end of this offseason. But we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. The, the thing that concerns me is that J.D. McKissick was so involved in the pass game this last year. And I don't know why. Um, I, I'll admit I don't follow the beat reporters out of Washington too closely uh, to know if there was a reason why this happened. Maybe it's just because he was a rookie and they didn't want to pile too much on his plate. So that kind of concerns me if, if McKissick comes back because uh, the coaching staff isn't changing. Mm -hmm. So why would the offense necessarily change with the split that was there? And I know, mm -hmm. and I know Gibson. That's he was a wide receiver in college, converted to running back. So I, I know he has the hands and he has the receiving ability. But for whatever reason, the team decided not to use him in that aspect. So that that's what kind of drove him down a little bit in my rankings right now, is because I don't know if that's going to be if he's going to earn that trust in this offseason and going to get that workload moving forward. That's fair. My take for what it's worth, which is not very much, but my take is that this weird offseason did actually affect a couple of things. Namely, I don't know how good he was as a pass blocker and how many opportunities he actually got there. And if that was part of the concern about him not being out there on obvious passing downs was related to that. And if it is, I do think that's probably something that would be resolved uh, at least a little bit with a real true full offseason. So that's my hope anyways. We'll be keeping our eye out, certainly, for reports coming out of training camp this year for this kind of stuff. Uh, and and honestly, I'm going to have my eyes peeled for DeAndre Swift now that you put him into your preemptive top 12. Yeah, and it's, um, I, I, it's weird. I, I mean, looking at how the top 12 finished off and then looking at the rest of the top 36, you know, your your top top three RBs. Uh, in, in your in your dynasty league, there's so many good names on there that it's like it's it's hard to place them all. I'm not gonna lie, you you, you have guys like Melvin Gordon. You know, we talked about Antonio Gibson, uh, Chris Carson. You know, he's been an RB one in the past. You got Ch, who was very highly drafted this last season, who didn't yeah. get a lot of play for whatever reason. Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, they were all RB2s this last year. 
and it's just uh, the depth is just I feel like the depth is just very deep for pretty much all positions except for tight end right now. Because uh, <laughs> uh, we just and, and, you know, we'll go through this same exercise next week with wide receivers. It's just like there's so many names where you're like, oh, I love that guy. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, I love that guy. And it's like, well, they all can't finish top 12. They all can't be number one or finish as, as positional number one for you. So how does that all parse out for you? Um, so it's, it's a fun exercise to do. And I encourage all of our listeners to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, it's, it's, it happens every year. Everybody, if they don't do actual rankings, which often I don't. So I've been guilty of this in the past too. It's like my top 12 RBs this year. And you could list like 36 guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're obviously not all going to fit inside the top 12. But every year there's this cycle of, of people just endless, endlessly promoting these top 12 guys. And it's like, well, okay, which are truly the top 12? And which do you have to acknowledge are very good running backs in a good mm-hmm. situation that aren't going to finish there? Because they fucking can't. Um, but that list that you're talking about that doesn't even account for rookies, that doesn't account for guys who fell outside of the top 36 this year, whether due to injuries, whether due to not getting enough playing time in the first year. Yeah, we didn't even can- talk about like Saquon and CMC. I mean, those guys are easily top five guys. For next one season, would assume. one yeah. would assume, you know, but or at least top 12. I think you could easily say top 12, they're going to be an RB1 next season, assuming they don't get injured. I mean, those are two guys right there. Uh, yeah. And there, and there's always the surprise guys like the James Robinson of this year or the fact that Kareem Hunt snuck into the top 12 this year because of um, with Nick Chubb getting injured. So there's always yeah. guys that pop out of nowhere, either because of injury or or the opportunity just works out for them. Uh, and it's fun trying to project those guys. It is fun slash maddening, especially as you're trying to decide what to do in your dynasty leagues in terms of trades, mm-hmm. because it's all projection at this point. And you're just assuming that you know what team they're going to go to, what the offense is going to look like around them. None of us know anything, which is why I do just want to end on this little note for myself here and talking about running backs in general. When I am trading for them, I wait as long as fucking possible to trade for these guys because I don't think I'm enough at predicting these landing spots and their situations. I'd rather pay full price, so to speak, when I know where they're going to be or I have at least a good idea of where they're going to be and what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the same. I like to build my team, all the other positions first, get those pretty solid, and then wait on running back and then trade for running back later. And and trade some of the depth you have at other positions, specifically wide receiver for me, and and try to try to then go for the championship uh, once the rest of your team is solid. So that's my personal philosophy. I like it. All right. Any other last words here before we sign off for the evening? Yeah. Uh, don't draft San Francisco running backs, no matter what. <laughs> That is very true and very fair, and um, I think we can leave it at that. So um, just like to remind the folks out there, we have launched our Patreon account. Go out there, find us, Drinking Fantasy, at uh, the Patreon page. Um, You can sign up for as little as $1 a month. Uh, The money you donate to us will go right directly back into the podcast so we can keep doing uh, fun and new things for you here. You get... The group me chat where you get access to Jake and I 24 seven and interact with all the other awesome people out there and have some great conversation. And you'll get some bonus material as well. In season, you'll get the waiver wire show weekly from us for your start sits and drop ad waiver transactions. Um, please go out and give us a rate and review on Apple podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Uh, if you give an especially good review of us, we will, uh, announce it on air and you'll get a little shout out for that. So uh, a little added incentive for you there, but no, we truly do appreciate it when you do give us a rate and review. It helps others find us, uh, which we want to spread our word out there as much as we can. So, uh, uh, go do that for us. Jake, before we sign off, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? 
You can find me at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. And you can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy. And you can find me at F Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.